Yo, what's good, man? It's your host, Cleve. Welcome to the Third Coast Podcast with my man. Joe, what it do, Gators? What it do, man? It's your host, I got these new fucking GNC fucking men energy vitamins now, and they actually contain like a hundred milligrams of caffeine inside of a multivitamin. So I got it, say, late last night. Oh, well, not. I got midday about like two o'clock, and I took one, and I should have read the packaging on it because it said you ain't supposed to take it before, you know, you go to sleep, I guess, because it dissolves. I was wide awake at like 11.30 last night. Oh, shit. <laughs> Always be careful when you buy stuff out there, uh, listeners and everybody, because you might be wide awake on a multivitamin. But what's yeah. up, Cleve? Uh, not too much, man. Came by earlier. See, I was comatose. And I did that courtesy check. Yeah, phone was off, but we got that taken care of. Like, I didn't even know. I thought I had extra money on my thing, but I guess I didn't. I was like a few bucks short, but I got some Subway. I haven't had Subway in a while, and like, damn, my stomach hurt. I'm going to just lay down until the pain go away if I could pass right out. <laughs> you went and took you a small siesta. I had passed by. I was like, man, Cleve, it was like I had called you, and I was like, man, Cleve's phone's off. I was like, man, it's three in the afternoon. I said, I wonder if that motherfucker's asleep. So I passed by. I did the pass by. And I was like, oh, he's there. So I went and got some ice. Yeah. And uh, I came back and I knocked on your door and shit. And I was I was like, man, when I was driving back, I was like, man, I hope this ain't the time. <laughs> you know, like you have like that one negative thought always. Right. And yeah. I said, I, I hope this is not the time. And you brought it up, too. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, thank you for checking on me, man, because one day I might be dead in this bitch and nobody will ever fucking know it. Like, man, nobody ever come out of the house and shit. Usually every blue moon I have like somebody and it's usually like for a short period, but. I get both sides to it, but, you know, I always check on your people, you guys, you know. It's like, even if it's just for, like, a short moment, you never know, you know, when somebody, you know, need, well, not even need to talk to somebody, but, you know, just to bring awareness that, you know, in a passing thought that you, you know, you have that person in their thoughts. Start to drive by, see what's going on. And bang on the door, like, man, we got a podcast yeah, to do. What are you doing? Do today, why, why ain't you answering your, your phone? <laughs> Get off your ass. Get on your feet. With the way, uh, you know, how work is going. So we get a little bit of extra time now recently. So I went ahead and took Friday off this week. And me and China went down to Lafayette. Nice. And made it a point to go to Lamyap Records. Yeah, yeah Lamyap. Established in 2011. and got a cool patch. But I was able to get two really cool hip-hop albums and i've recently fell in love with collecting hip-hop albums because i've become very aware of how valuable and how hard they are to find and uh, i was able to get big crit's return of forever yeah shout out big crit holding it down in mississippi right next to us and uh got aliens by outcast which is oh yeah the at aliens yeah which is one of the most iconic hip-hop albums of all time in my opinion 
Yeah, it was great. I mean, like, yeah, they had all the barricades up for Mardi Gras for this past weekend and stuff. And well, when we went, they were preparing for it and stuff. And it's crazy though to see just how many barricades and how many people actually come out for Mardi Gras and do all their things. And right, yeah, it's gonna be a big event throughout all of Louisiana, really. But I want to say Lafayette, next to New Orleans, at the time was holding the biggest festivals in the state. When it comes to the Mardi Gras. Uh, when is Mardi Gras, do you know? It's happening right now. Oh, okay. What, they going to Ash Wednesday coming up next week and stuff? So uh, the big celebrations have been going on now, which is cool, though, to see. That's one of the biggest driving parts of our state is this part of the season for the tourist attractions and stuff. Right. And I can tell you one thing. Don't think about driving in New Orleans for like the next month. It's hard enough to drive in New Orleans, period. But like New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Lafayette, Lake Charles, even Alexandria. Right. Yeah, even all the way up there to Shreveport, Winfield, Monroe, Ruston. If you're driving around in them areas, fill up your tank because you might be waiting for a while. Yeah, got that hour and a half and traffic just doing 10 to 15 miles or less. You know, Cleve, I actually am very, I want to talk about this. When I was in marching band in high school, right, we would do the Mardi Gras parades. And I used to fucking hate them <laughs> because I was in marching band for six years. Mm -hmm. And I was in marching band in middle school. I was in high school marching band because they didn't have a big brass section and I played trombone. We would go do all these festivals and stuff. And man, marching in these long ass fucking Mardi Gras parades. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, the motherfuckers never end. It's like, how how many fucking people come out to this shit? We did the one in Alexandria twice, and I swear to God, that was probably one of the worst experiences in marching band. Feet hurt, trying to, I'm fat, out of shape, trying to march, yeah, trying to march. six miles. Trying to keep a note. Six miles into the walk, you carry your equipment, miserable, sweating. You can only imagine how the other members feel like, you know, well, you played, a, yeah, you played trombone, so yeah. I know it was between the walking and just having to keep in sync. This is how I felt the whole time. <laughs> Two miles in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We made two right turns and I'm already tired. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got to try to stay in tempo and beat and play songs and stuff. Marching band is hard. Big props out there for everybody that's in marching band. For real. Hell yeah. But besides all that, Cleve, how are you doing? How How's everything going? Yeah, every, yeah overall everything's good. Like you said, about work, we got, you know, a little bit of extra time. Uh, do some things i've been kind of want to touch on a topic i ain't even do any research on it but i just you know kind of wanted to say fuck the irs <laughs> 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 because yeah they got my ass this year which you know it like aside from the negative it just shows that you know obviously like i did good you know did better than the, my teachers and the people that doubted me so i wanted to make that publicly clear on the air that you know for all those that doubted me i'm doing just fine you know Ten toes down. But yeah, I owe them bastards and you know, I was trying to get some shit done, you know, me thinking that I'm it's like, man, you know, it's like even if it's just like a few hundred dollars, like just an extra check, you know, like 
some people kind of bank on it. And then, you know, in the situation I'm in now, I got to pay them. So I see what's going on for what it is, but I'm not going to let that bring me down just because, you know, it's always, you know, there's always other options to make ends meet. So, yeah, besides that, you know, everything is pretty, you know, pretty kosher on, on this end. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel you when you were uh, telling me about that the other night about how the IRS is giving you the big stiff. Uh, (laughs) But uh, there was a dude, I might be mistaken, but there was a dude that flew his like private little two seater plane into the IRS building in Houston or somewhere (laughs) at one point in time. So, uh, and plus, I don't really necessarily ever have too much beef with IRS. It's the state, even with dependents. I have to file single and none and make sure they get all the money they want out of my check. And then I might, I think I filed single and none this year and they took over a thousand dollars in the state. And I think they're giving me back like right at $200. And I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. Like this year. Oh yeah. They took about a thousand. Yeah. I've had to pay them a thousand. And then, um, the state paid me back but they're going to take from my state. Yeah, it came out to like eight something. So. Oh, uh, I just wish we had some tea to throw in the harbor just to be mad about taxation. <laughs> I wish I had a private plane just. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> if the claims are true, you know, I would like to have like that. In a parachute. It must be nice to be ultra rich. I would say that it would probably have its perks. A few, maybe. I would rather be wealthy than rich. Because, like, being rich, you know, you could wake up one day and it's just all gone, depending on, like, if you have shares and shit like that. You know, if you're rich in the stock market, type of rich. You wake up, you're a millionaire overnight. Wake up next day, you're bankrupt. You know, that actually brings me into, I want to ask a question, something we talked about a little bit on the way to the store, and uh, we can dive into this fucking mountain of information that I have uh, <laughs> acquired. If y'all haven't checked it out, check out Thurco's Podcast on 5000w.thurcospodcast.com on all major streaming platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Who knew that me and Cleve might be tackling TikTok? tackling the tiktok world one video at a time they call me on my cell phone jeez yeah somebody texted me <laughs> they told me that they had saw the content i had told them about it but they had saw the beard challenge but um is hotline bling posted because yeah. I, that was the one i was trying to get them to watch yeah. i was like you know hey if you see me Acting a damn fool on TikTok, just don't mind, you know. It's like, you know, we try to do this to to get the content and get the people knowing who we are, you know, outside of the podcast world a little bit, you know, to be participating in some of the events and some of the uh, trends that, you know, are going on on the TikTok world. Trying to be uh, more modern. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, even though we're we're pretty we're we're pretty out there. I mean, thirteen. We're on Audible. Fucking Cashbox, Google, Anchor, iHeartRadio, too. Like, you can find us on iHeartRadio. How crazy is that? But 
if you're listening to this podcast right now and you have TikTok, make sure you go like us because we're trying to get to a thousand followers or subscribers, I think followers, on TikTok. And then we can go live and we want to do like live stuff with our shows and y'all can TikTok in. We talk shit, prank call people because prank calls are coming. We just, we're trying to figure out the format, but we're going to get there. We ain't forgot about it. Right. Yeah. And we don't want to be within the means of like, I don't know, I guess breaking you know, somebody's feelings or, you know, getting the people involved. <laughs> but we have had through our last, let's say, like two weeks of doing TikToks that we are like had over 10,000 streams on them. So that's pretty cool. A little small applause to ourselves. Nice, nice. My question, Cleve, is, well, not really a question, but a thing that I saw was this dude apparently had died and experienced allegedly hell and he said that when he was in hell that he heard demons singing some rihanna songs of all things yeah and he said it wasn't just that it was other popular songs that he heard but then he was brought back to life he was allegedly dead for a certain amount of time okay it's just crazy to just is the music industry i've is that a thing? Is it really powered through? I believe there is to some extent, but I mean, like to say it's that great, depending on the way that you look at it, and if you believe in, uh, I don't know how to say it on the air because uh, like certain aspects of your own belief, right? You know yeah, what I'm certain saying? aspects of life. I'm gonna just put it like that. If you believe in certain aspects of life, it's said that Lucifer was, you know, the angel of music, and the way he orchestrated music before he fell, he made his own music once he fell from the heavens. And a lot of the music is like kind of like designed to get people to sing along, chant with them, like in large crowds and gathering. It's almost like as if you're trying to give praise to something. Because, you know, that's where music was originally inspired from was to, you know, I don't know, I guess give praise. But to say that this man went to hell, you know, saw things, demons, you know, walking humans on all fours while, you know, they torturing others and playing the popular songs that we hear today kind of makes you think about like the, you know, some of the older practices, you know, with, I guess, uh, witchcraft and yeah. like occult gatherings where, you know, they make the blood sacrifices and sacrificing goats and shit right yeah so it, it kind of like goes into you know even with the symbolism in some of the music videos of like you know where they sitting at a table they got a bunch of food like just for a random time i think yeah i think there is a music video like that. i'm blank to it right now but yeah it's just like the things that represent like the mass sins gluttony you got tables full of food and then you got lust you know you got videos full of women you know greed and you got rappers talking about money and I could see how that guy said, you know, what he said and how he felt it according to his, what he believed. Yeah, that was something we was talking about on the way to the store. And I was like, well, damn, you know, it kind of makes me think about some past topics. Oh, yeah. It's like a flood water, like release the gates shit, because you just think on when I hear crazy stuff, I never a lot of people pick a side, you know. Right. And someone, they take the left or they take the right. I always want to be in the middle. When I look at that, just what he said and just trying to stand in the middle of it. And it's just 
mind-blowing. What happens if this dude really did experience a form of hell? You know what I'm saying? Like, could he really have experienced that? Right. That's what makes me think, or then it makes me think on the other side, too, of is what chemical imbalance was produced in his head to make him hallucinate that much right. and believe that that is an absolute reality. Yeah, to manifest his own, you know. His thought process, and that's a crazy thought, too. And that's why I always stand, like, right in the middle. And it just always, like, blows my mind. Yeah, definitely understandable on that note because, you know, anytime you take a story, you never just want to take one side to it. You kind of want to, like how you say, be in the middle, look at it with an open mind and, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. But also you could put into perspective, too, it's like what were the things that may have caused, like you say, the chemical imbalance to, you know, produce such a reality to where it's like believe that this person really experienced something that he could have just fathomed his own envisionment of what he perceives hell to be. Yes. You know, like. The idea of like religion and where you go, if you believe in something and you felt like you failed on earth and you deserve hell and you go there, maybe it's the envisionment of what you thought it would be, you know? Right. All them crazy things and crazy thoughts. Which brings me into what everybody wants to know is some weird shit that we have found and we want to talk about and Cleve I know this is a lot of content I know there's a lot of papers but this week we'll be diving into crazy weird medical procedures and inventions that have spawned through the medical field I'm gonna dive right into this smoking so smoking was developed in the late 19th and early 20th century when damaging effects of nicotine wasn't yet discovered or widely accepted Smoking was usually not only for recreational purposes, but also for medical treatment. It was used for various ailments, including one of the most ridiculous, asthma, hay fever, foul breath, head colds, and all diseases of the throat. So, Cleve, back in the day, they thought smoking would cure asthma are you fucking serious <laughs> <laughs> i could get it's like the inhaling treatment <laughs> like you gotta get them to breathe <laughs> you gotta open them lungs you gotta open it up let me burn some of this here yeah let me burn some of this here back up i gotta get some of these cool filter kings and by the way cool menthols are the best cigarette on the market if you are into bad habits no nah, i don't think it would be what? Don't don't say you a pork guy. I don't like new pork. Oh, you're smoking oh, ports. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Newport versus cool. You guys, you decide. Hit us up. Tell us what you think. But yeah, man, like I don't know. It's something about Newport. You know, it's something about that old class A tobacco. It just, you know, it just burns so smooth to me. You know, it's like cool. It's I think cool is a class B uh, tobacco. And it goes all the way to like class D. Oh, I don't even know. It don't even say on the box exactly, either. Exactly, man. That's why, you know, Newport the best, you know. It says taxes paid in Louisiana. Yeah, like on I the throw side this of the shit box. In the harbor. <laughs> yeah, on the side of the box it say class A on mine. And they don't know. No, it side. says class A on this one oh, too. Oh, it's class Oh, cool, it's class A. Okay, all right. 
All right, so we got some competition. I don't know, Coos is just a little bit stronger, though. You know, maybe if the doctor prescribed, you know, I guess the conditions of that asthma. I mean, if if we lived in the 1920th century, they would have prescribed new uh, Newports and Cools for us for a various variety of ailments. Foul breath, that's one of the things, like foul breath. I mean, smoking does give you a like a taste on your tongue, too, and your breath can smell, like, especially if people don't smoke. They can smell if you're a smoker. Right. But besides that, I mean, I'm not smoking right now. Anyway, heroin. (laughs) Initially, heroin was invented during an attempt to uh, produce a similar drug to morphine, but less potent and less addictive. However, the quite opposite happened. Heroin heroin turned out to be (laughs) around two times more potent than morphine itself. It was prescribed to treat colds and other ailment, ailments such as back pain and insomnia. Well, heroin would definitely help back pain. <laughs> From 18, 1898 through 1910, these it was actually made in the cough syrups and marketed as a non-indictive morphine substitute and quickly became the cause of one of the highest addiction rates among users, mainly in the United States. Un-fucking believable. Methamphetamine. Methamphetamine <laughs> was first synthesized by a Japanese chemist in 1893. Oh. Early on, before the adverse effects of the drug was taken into consideration, meth was used to treat a various ailments such as asthma. Why is everything with asthma? Like <laughs> narcolepsy? Narcolepsy and asthma and was also used as a weight loss drug. Well, I can tell you one thing. Meth would definitely help you uh, lose weight. And oh, you know, dang. you know what's crazy too about meth is was one of the biggest influencers on the Blitzcrank during World War II. That's II. what I was about to say. Like I know that um the Germans had gotten a hold of the meth, and the Americans had gotten a hold of the meth for their air, like the Air Force pilots. So whenever they did like long, like sixteen-hour tours of you know, scanning the skies of enemy troops, like the the methamphetamine was also used to help them stay alert during the night, which I'm pretty sure it did keep them oh, yeah, fairly alert. Yeah. They had a flashlight in the cockpit at three in the morning over on their flash, <laughs> on their pass by. <laughs> Bur- and when they got home, burning copper and shit. But it, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's crazy. It's like when you, when you start picking apart, like the medical field or just any topic. There's just so much information about just everything. So it was the Japanese that caused the American addiction in the trailer parks of Ohio. Okay. (laughs) Kellogg's Corn Flakes. So, Cleve, are you familiar with this popular cereal? Why, yes, I am. Okay. J.H. Kellogg invented this. He is a beloved person of cereal, was full-fledged medical doctor and health activist. Another little-known fact about Mr. Kellogg's... Dr. Kellogg. Dr. Kellogg's. Dr. Kellogg's. <laughs> famous cornflakes was originally created to prevent sexual urges. More specifically... More specifically... The urge to masturbate. Oof. <laughs> Masturbation was considered a huge, huge sin back in the 19th century, and Kellogg 
believed that a healthy diet was the answer to the problem. Unfortunately, Dr. Kellogg's flaky idea for an (laughs) anti-masturbational breakfast did not provide the desired results. Who the fuck? Okay. A healthy body leads to a healthy mind. Okay. Speaking as a man. As the urge presents itself, <laughs> fucking cereal is not going to knock the urge. Bland that cereal might help the urge. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, bland that cereal it. with some milk. But, I mean, it ain't going to help when you getting that protein. <laughs> Releasing the protein. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Vin Marita. Vin Marita. Vin Martini. Vin Martini toxin was introduced in 1863 and was advertised both as wine as a general cure all product promising to treat whatever ailment you may have. The tonic quickly became a sensation and was widely introduced among famous people at the time, including the Pope and Thomas Edison. The tonic was inspired and also the original part of Coca-Cola. Why do you say that it has such success? Why? It had cocaine in it, Cleve. Wow. And each drink contained about six milligrams of cocaine per ounce of wine. Per ounce. Per ounce. Six milligrams. Coca-Cola. I don't know too much about the the measurements of um the drugs that we've mentioned, like you know, with the meth and the and the cocaine and like a six milligrams. Like, what is it? Like a bump, two bumps, three bumps per ounce. I would say about like two key bumps. Gosh, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so you ever heard of the iron lungs? Yes. Okay, before an effective vaccine was developed in 1950, the polio epidemic devastated many lives across the world. When the outbreak reached its peak in 1952, there was about 57,000 infected people in the United States. It was the most feared disease of the 20th century. Back in the day, one of the most effective methods was invented to save lives, if you call it saving lives in that aspect but it was one of the most terrifying too. imagine being unable to breathe on your own and being put inside of a large metal coffin like cabinet for weeks or even your whole life the cabinet was nicknamed the iron lung even though it saved thousands who were unable to breathe because of the ailment it was one of the craziest things due to polio and it's like this big giant fucking tube they stick you in and it's like hey your lungs don't work we're gonna breathe for you but it's like if you got stuck in in 20th century it was like game over with it's game over you dying in the iron lung yeah you in the the lung yeah you've got your head sticking out and the rest of your body is like in the um yeah it's in the cast i've seen them in like the older cartoons as well and um just like older movies and I don't know, that's an interesting thing. You know, even today, uh, like different forms of the iron lung is used like for life support, you know, where they have you like on a breathing treatment and stuff. They don't put you in like a a cast uh, tube anymore, I don't believe. You know how, you know, because when it comes to an actual realization, we went through a epidemic with the COVID shit, the, the C word, you know, God, you said it already. It's no longer the C word. 
when it comes back and people look back on it, they're going to look for the history of it and how it unfolded. Retro speaking, I know COVID was bad, but polio looked like it sucked way worse. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At least COVID killed you. <laughs> it didn't put you in no <laughs> oh, fucking <damn>. tube. <laughs> it's that too. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, respect to those you know who lost. I family. mean, I'm sorry. I'm not Gosh. trying to be negative. I mean, I, I know. know. <laughs> I'm not trying to be that person, but I. Uh, I mean, like that shit. Yes, from the topic. So okay, so tapeworm diet. So back in the day in the Victorian times, okay, so I guess motherfuckers ate tapeworms. People came up in the Victoria times with this radical solution to reduce weight. And what do you think they use of all things? Tapeworms. The idea behind it was simple. A person consumes a tapeworm egg so that when the parasite hatches and grows inside the person's intestines, it will start digesting whatever the person eats. This supposedly allowed the person to lose weight without decreasing the amount of food they ate. While today it's known as, uh, known that tapeworms can be dangerous, in some cases even lethal, this questionable practice is still active in 2023. Yep. That's a real thing. Oh, yeah. Like in, like in continents like uh, Asia and South America, they widely practice the use of tapeworms That's like crazy. to clear like bacterial infections as opposed to like, you know, like how you say you eat the food, any foods that are like high, like in amino acids, like pork mostly. In the Asian countries where, you know, they skinning the cat and cooking the dog, you know, putting it on a stick, rolling it rotisserie style. That shit good as fuck. Man, get a little bit of sauce on there, boy. You better holler at the Chinese. They'll hook it up for you. But yeah, man, um... Places like that where, you know, the food isn't as clean, they would use the tapeworm diet to help process and digest most of the bacteria. Yeah, like you say, it's still used today. Yeah, that's pretty heavy. Kind of take over on some of the lists. You know, at number eight, we got the lobotomy. In the early 20th century, when methods of treating mental illness was scarce, an invasive procedure called lobotomy was invented. Despite the lack of evidence that this procedure during the nerve pathways and the lobes of the brain are severed has many positive effects in treating illnesses, lobotomy became widely used. Active campaigning for the effectiveness of lobotomy and the spread of misinformation in the media led many to believe that the lobotomy was a miracle cure. Only years later was the procedure recognized as one of the most shameful and tragic events in medical history. It's actually legal to get a lobotomy if you live in the state of California. You know, uh, physicians and I think psychiatrists can recommend it to a doctor, you know, and the means to help like depression, anxiety, because like it says, it snips certain parts of the brain cells and the nerve endings like to kind of make you, I guess, you know, less coherent to feel like whatever emotion it is that's troubling you. And there's actually been deeper research into the science of it that explores like the different neurons and like what area of the brain controls what, but they don't really talk about it because of the shameful and tragic events in the medical history that it brought in the past. It gets a lot of negative feedback. But yeah, if you're struggling out there, you ever in the state of California? <laughs> you need a, a lobotomy. Yeah, get that lobotomy hooked up, man. They got y'all. At number nine, we have malaria therapy. At the beginning of the 20th century, patients suffering from syphilis were treated with malarial therapy. 
Ailing individuals were deliberately infected with malaria to induce fever. Apparently, the high fever was enough to kill temperature-sensitive syphilis bacteria. It is estimated that around 15% of those treated with malaria therapy died from malaria. However, others showed great improvement. Gosh, so you're either gambling on a risk <laughs> of developing an immunity to a treatment to cure another sickness, or you risk dying from the sickness that you're using to treat the sickness that you already have. So not only are you going to die with syphilis, but you get a healthy dose of malaria on the way to help speed things up. Yeah, right down the, the, <laughs> the chute. Right down the You know what's funny about that, too, is me and China was talking about, like, the flu shot, right? When I was stationed in El Paso, right, I had to get the uh, flu vaccination. Y'all hear that shit, too? Yeah, I've been hearing this. Sounds like a, a whining. It's a coyote. It's probably the coyotes being brought in from that possum I killed the other night. Take a small minute to shout out Krampus. We found in the ditch. Ditch dog scared the possum into, like, the shock mode. And I was out there and I actually, because it was big. That motherfucking possum was huge. It was double the size of Krampus. And it was just laying there. So I shot it twice with the BB gun. It didn't move. I was like, man, fuck, it's taking little BB pellets. So I thought Krampus had killed it. So I went up and I saw it and I started touching it with the shovel. And the motherfucker's ears started moving. I was like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. And look, China was like, did it bite Krampus? Did it bite Krampus? Did it bite Krampus? I was like, no, it didn't bite Krampus. I don't see no blood or nothing. She's like, it could give him rabies. So I, and then first thing went through my head. Oh, I'm sorry, Peta. I was like, up oh, full range to kill the motherfucker. <laughs> put him <laughs> so, down. No, I had to put him down. That motherfucking possum was huge. So I had, you know, did the thing, and I kind of got him out the way of Krampus in his little area. I woke up the next morning, and something had got it. Like something had. Took probably it like away. Tracked it off. And it's probably, I think we have. It's like a small pack of coyotes. Or maybe like coyotes slash like lost dogs type shit going on. Yeah, but that howl definitely sounded like a coyote. It was like the high pitched whining. I know they got them further down, like south past our parents' house, I want to say. Yeah, back in those woods and then like going towards like the beaver woods. You know, they got them out in that direction. I'm sorry for interrupting. Too. Oh, no, it's okay. Nah, but that was a, yeah, that was pretty good. Though. I didn't know the uh, Krampus head. Yeah, Krampus is. Shout out Krampus. But yeah, at number 10, sitting inside a rotten whale carcass. Back in the 19th century, a cutting edge new treatment for rheumatism was introduced on Australia's southern coast, sitting outside a rotten whale carcass. It was believed that if the person stayed aside of the dead well for 30 hours, they would be relieved of joint aches for up to 12 months. Clearly, there was no scientific evidence to support the healing power of sitting aside a dead well, but it seems like people were desperate enough to actually try it. I believe that's famous, like places like Norway, Sweden. Would you sit in the Europe? Would you sit in a well carcass for 30 hours to relieve pain in your joints, though? Granted, the time, I mean, this is the 19th century we're talking about. Yeah, but who came up with that idea? You know what? Let's go jump in that body of that dying animal. Granted, the era of time, if I were given the chance to sit in a whale carcass would you? to relieve my joint pains, I probably would try it. 
you know, just to see. I don't know. It's just, I mean, it depends the texture. I mean, whales are used to, you know, whales, yeah, the texture and the smells, you know, all of the features that (laughs) comes up. Textures of the whale, people. Telling you, man, I'd do it. Why not? (laughs) 12 months, hey. Hold up, the texture of the whale. Oh, that's legendary. I like that. I'll be making little side notes inside the episode in my head. Check out the post on 5,000 W's and shout out to Horde. Keep Horde. Moving up at number 11, radium water. While we may think of energy drinks as a new trend, they have existed for almost a century. And if you think they were a lot healthier back in the day than they are now, you're mistaken. The energy drinks sold in the 1920s did not contain huge amounts of caffeine and taurine as they do now, but instead they contain real energy, radium. Yeah. Oh. Shout, shout out, shout out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. About a gallon, boy. Hey, hold on. One of the most infamous, <laughs> one of the most infamous examples is Radathor which was simply radium dissolved in water. Unsurprisingly, the drink was created by a Harvard dropout, William J.A. Bailey, who was not a medical doctor. Radithor was advertised as a cure for the living dead and perpetual sunshine. Zombie vibe. <laughs> I wonder if there were any side effects of, you know, like the skin turning orange, you know, the hairs and shit turning orange. And number 12. Yeah, this was interesting. We got corpse medicine. For hundreds of years up until the 1890s, it was common to use the human body as an ingredient in various medicines. Which human parts were oh, which human parts were used to treat diseases, you ask? Well, pretty much all of them. For instance, <laughs> the human liver was prescribed for those suffering from epilepsy, but the most common were blood, fat, bone, and flesh. During the 16th and 17th centuries, many physicians actively prescribed corpse medicine to their patients. One of the most popular remedies back in the day was made of smuggled Egyptian mummies. The mummified... (laughs) Oh, shit. That's why they were cracking down. Okay. The mummified remains were usually powdered and used as a treatment for epilepsy, bruising, and hemorrhaging. Corpse medicine. Man, talk about... Talk about the quartz medicine. Get your fix off mummy rapping. I'm rapping. Beats killer. Acapellin. No telling. Let me tell you something about this arsenic. Oh, well, hold up. You got one more? I do have one more. Or I have two more. Uh, Oh, my bad. Nah, you're good. I was just like (laughs) going to say something about the quartz medicine just... Uh, it kind of remind me of those witch doctors. You got me excited. Right. <laughs> At 13, we got bloodletting. Oh, shit. Hey, is that the thing where they, that ain't the thing where they put leeches on you. That's when you like. Um, like I re- think that's what bloodletting is, actually. Hold on. Bloodletting is known as one of the oldest medical practices dating back 3,000 years to ancient Egypt. The procedure was common in medieval Europe to treat diseases such as smallpox, epilepsy, and plague. However, it didn't end there. Bloodletting was commonly practiced throughout the 19th century, too, and is sometimes even used today. Towards the end of the 19th century, the treatment 
was discredited when doctors finally admitted that depleting the body's blood supply can be risky and does not have many valuable health benefits. Bloodletting puts a patient at risk of having a cardiac arrest, losing too much blood, and can cause dangerously low blood pressure in addition to the possibilities of infections and amnesia. So that brings up, so when you donate blood, so if you donate blood, are you doing that? Technically, I, I, I technically yeah, bloodletting is still yeah, exists when you, today when you like, donate blood and plasma. And they pay you to donate plasma in certain places, too. Yeah, bloodletting, you know, done professionally. Damn. That is real true, though, because, yeah. say, like, because they did that like a preventative, right? Right. Yeah, it was used to treat things, but it's also used to save lives. And if you're a conspiracy theorist, you know, it'll be to supply the vampire army that they have <laughs> oh, buried beneath the caverns of forgot, um, the Middle East that. and, you know, the mountains throughout the ages that goes unrecognized today. Number 14, mercury. Today, we are well aware of the serious effects exposure to mercury may have. Inhaling mercury vapor can damage one's intestinal organs. Whoops. I butchered the hell out of that. (laughs) (laughs) Inhalation of mercury vapor can damage one's internal organs, such as lungs and kidneys, and can be fatal. If ingested, the inorganic salts of mercury can induce kidney toxicity. Throughout history, the chemical was used to prolong life and maintain good health. For several hundred years, mercury was the key ingredient of various products used as diseases such as melancholy, syphilis, and influenza. Another Chinese used mercury. They called it quicksilver. You know, they used it in like healing and uh, longevity and, you know, the things that, you know, produce a longer life. But I thought mercury was bad. Yeah, mercury is very bad for you, but somehow they were able to use it, probably with their shark fin. You know, to increase the span of the... Oh, I forgot all about that. Yeah, I like man. how you, you keep tying old <laughs> shit back in. That's good, though. That's great. I forgot all about that. Yeah, mercury was actually, you know, a key ingredient in various products used to treat those diseases. I don't think they use mercury anymore in thermometers either because of how dangerous it is, right? Right. Because if it breaks or whatever... Don't quote me on this, but I do believe that mercury was one of the ingredients for like some of the earlier vaccines, like for some of the earlier hepatitis vaccines, like mercury, like just a small, small amount that kind of helped blend the rest of the, the ingredients together. It's always so crazy when you like just you think about how far and what goes on in the medical field and trial and error and. I don't know. It's it's crazy. Yeah, mercury tip needles and all of that. Arsenic is one of the oldest medicines that date back to ancient times. However, even though the toxic properties of arsenic is well known, the chemical was used to treat various diseases up to the 20th century of all things. Arsenic compounds were ingredients in many tinctures, balms, tablets. Damn, they had tablets back in the day, too? Hey, <laughs> i tell you one thing. If y'all have little bambinos out there, why is the tablet always dead? The tablet is always dead. And it's crazy, though, if you think back, like they used to ride on tablets, now there's tablets everywhere. But yeah, 
crocodile dung. Ancient Egyptians were really creative with methods they use in preventative unwanted pregnancies, of all things. <laughs> like Egyptians. Uh, one of the uh, notorious innovative methods was inserting crocodile dung into the vagina area. Oh, God. While it's unclear whether this method actually worked, it's obvious how unhygienic and dangerous it was. It just brings oh. me up to Cleve. I got to ask you this question. Who the fuck was fucking with the crocodile shit? Who the fuck was going behind it after? This? Yeah, who this the like, fuck who, was like getting God. crocodile shit to rub in? Boop, boop. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, do you, what are you doing? Like, why was that the method? It had to be that extreme. I feel sorry for the women. You know, your sympathy goes to the women who had to. How many people died <laughs> trying to get crocodile shit is what I'm trying you to know, figure out. You know, River was right there. And yeah, they, but you know, people like, had to die to get crocodile shit. Like, the crocodile shit, and then he sees, like, man, what's this dude doing over here? And he, he probably water, ate that motherfucker, dude. He's like, man, I took shit and I got a snack. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfuckers in Egyptian must couldn't pull out. God damn, man. Hell no. I couldn't. It's like, man, then the smell, too, is what it'll give me. It's like... What does crocodile shit smell like? <laughs> what the fuck was going on back then? Was it, nor- was it normal to just go fucking fuck with alligators and crocodiles? Yeah, crocodile. No fucking comment here. Be right back. <laughs> Cleve, this one's going to be a little eye-opener. A plumbage, prior to the introduction of effective Tubularosis medicine, plumbage, was used to treat the disease from the 1930s to the 1950s. Physicians believed that a collapsed lung would heal faster, so they would use a plumbage method to forcibly collapse the lung. During the procedure, the doctor would create a cavity underneath the upper ribs and fill the space with materials such as lactate, ping pong balls, oil, rubber sheets, perfax wax, or gauzes. Unsurprisingly, this treatment carried the risk of many complications. Many of the patients suffered from hemorrhage, infections, and fusillations, abdominal opening between two hollow organs of the bronchitis or sorta esophagus and the skin. That's medieval. I started reading that shit, and I was like, oh, my (laughs) God. Okay, moving on. Dead mouse paste. This is getting interesting. Uh Uh-oh. Charlene, we need the cooler. So, yeah, Cleve. That's nasty. Just uh, dead mouse paste. Before effective pain medication was invented, people thought through history have tried many ways to ease their pain, especially in their mouth. Dentistry shit. One of the grossest but most ineffective treatments was used by the Egyptians to relieve toothaches. A little side note, brush your teeth. (laughs) Every morning, brush your teeth, wash your face. My biggest thing is like throw some cold water on your face. Yeah, just to wake yourself up, but you know, the hot water, you know, is to get that skin looking glowing and get them bags free, 
you know, fill them bags up under your eyes with some with a good face wash. So apparently it was to relieve toothaches. They would mush dead mice and blend them in with other various ingredients in the Egyptian times. And they would apply it to the aching tooth. Unsurprisingly, though, Cleve, the paste did not aid much with the pain, but instead offer a causing infection. Of course it would. Hemoglossophomia. Yeah, that's gross. Today, we are familiar with hemoglossophomia as a procedure that involves the removal of part of the tongue, which was often performed in such cases as oral cancer. However, some people who lived during the 18th century and the 19th century was subject to this barbaric treatment as an attempt to correct their stutter. And if you've listened to the years of me being a part of the podcast, sometimes your boy got the gated, <laughs> got a little bit of, you know, can't talk right. I'm glad that y'all didn't decide to cut my tongue in various places. Ah, yeah, no, no worries. Doctors we'll believe that <laughs> the tongue was to blame for the speech problems. So they came up with a highly ineffective and sometimes deadly method of correcting it with surgery by cutting off parts of the tongue that they thought was causing the stutter impairment. Nothing to back that. They just started, like, if you had, like, and it killed God people, makes you too. Think, you like, know, like, nowadays, you can get your tongue split, and it does, like, the different features, like, different piercings of the tongue, oh, and, yeah, like, like, cutting a piece off of it to make it look forked, or... The lizard people. Or... Uh, Draconian <laughs> overlords. Yeah. Shout out to y'all. Uh, it's been a long time. I'm sorry we haven't brought y'all up in a while, but we know y'all are present. We know y'all are there. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. I got a few more, if that's okay, Khalif. Oh, yeah, go for it. We do have a lot of things coming up. The episode's not over. We got a lot more coming up. I know usually y'all think we're about to wrap it up. We about to ramp this shit the fuck up. Happy Mardi Gras season. We got some taste testing coming up. Cleve, would you ever get a tobacco smoke enema? <laughs> oh no <laughs> uh, hell nah bro like yeah that's exit only <laughs> but, but they have those tobacco smoke enemas were practiced in the 18th century to treat various ailments back in the day this procedure was administered to patients suffering from headaches respiratory failure, cold abdominal cramps, and that's just the name of you. This method was... (laughs) (laughs) Take back. This method was even used to reconcile individuals who were dying from tripoid fever. Damn. It was believed that the nicotine could stimulate a patient's artery glands, producing adrenaline and retrieve them. But, Cleve, unsurprisingly, the method hardly ever worked. Okay. (laughs) Cheap liver diagnosis. 
So with no blood tests or x-rays, how did ancient healers diagnose illnesses? And Mesopotamia? 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 Yeah. Uh, Modern day Iraq? Yeah, yeah, Mesopotamia. Practitioners made judgments not by expecting the patient, but by examining the livers of sacrificed sheep. At the time, the liver was thought to be the source of the human blood and hence the source of life itself. Clay models of sheep livers date back as far as 2050 BC. Talk about medicine gone bad. It's like, I don't know what the fuck going on with you. Let's kill this fucking sheep, though. <laughs> let's, kill, let's kill the fucking sheep. <laughs> yeah, kill the sheep and see if it got something that'll fix you up. Yeah, it takes a level of thinking, you know, to go that far. You know, a lot of people don't have, you know, sympathy for the, for the creatures. They just figure that's the, the solution. And at number 23, the powder of sympathy. 17th century medicine can seem a bit crazy to modern people, but perhaps nothing seems wackier than Sir Kenelm Digby's powder of sympathy. The powder was intended as a treatment for a very specific injury. Uh, rapier wounds? Oh, yeah, like, uh, what they call it? Like fencing. Yeah, the people that do the fencing, you know, they poke them with the rapier, and a lot of them would actually get stabbed. It was made of earthworms, pigs' brains, Iron oxide or rust, and bits of mummified corpses. Uh oh, there go that. Oh, got powder of sympathy, man. That's he was a a buyer of the mummified corpses and ground into a powder. The powder was applied not to the wound itself, but to the offending weapon. Digby thought that the strange concoction would somehow encourage the wound to heal itself via the process called sympathetic magic. So he tried to create a powder that would heal the wound after stabbing his opponent. Interesting. Number 24, we got moldy bread. Moldy bread has been used to disinfect cuts as far back as ancient Egypt. But what might sound crazy makes some sense. As Lewis Pasteur famously discovered, some certain fungi are known to block the growth of disease-causing bacteria. Think penicillin. And number 25, snake oil. Snake oil has not always been just a euphemism for quack medical treatments. For centuries, oil from the Chinese water snake was an actual treatment used in traditional Chinese medicine to relieve joint pain. In fact, it's still used today. Snake oil seems to be brought to America by Chinese laborers who worked on the Transcontinental Railroad. This was backbreaking work, and the laborers are thought to have rub the oil on their aching joints. Yeah, they talking about their Chinese, you know, their Chinese that child shark labor. Yeah, they, their Chinese child labor and they needed some oil. Them snakes along the railway, they would just cut the heads off and, you know, milk the poison. We know today that snakes are rich source of EPA. I'm not even going to butcher the name for you guys. And omega-3 fatty acid that has anti-inflammatory properties. So snake oil is actually a pretty good medication. I've heard of it as well, but I've never tried it. But like something with the venom, it goes to the joints. It's the natural herbal remedy of it. They mix like other things with it, like lavender and, you know, peppermint to give it like an essence or spearmint to, you know, really give it like that menthol feel to permeate the skin easier. 
last one wasn't so bad unlike some of the other ones though I hope the listeners out there is liking the content that we're producing. This has been some cool shit we've been talking about recently and some eye-opening shit, too, also. I could throw a bonus in there? Yeah. Chloroform. (laughs) (laughs) Hold up. Let me me cover my mouth. Yeah, another dream. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Another treatment that was believed to be a cure for asthma was chloroform. The article claims that one treatment with chloroform completely relieved all symptoms of asthma. Yeah, of course it did. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it fucking did. It relieved a lot of shit. Consciousness, awareness. This this belief would eventually result in the death of patients who had overdosed during an (laughs) asthma attack. (laughs) <laughs> They're trying to get the breath of life and got a wisp of death. But yeah, that's uh yeah, that, I I saw that one. It wasn't on the list, but I saw that one and I just went to thinking <laughs> to what degree like chloroform in the medical sense as to how it's used today and just like how research goes into it's like whenever you try to make a thing for a good purpose, but in turn, it either has, like, negative effects or gets used in negative outcomes, used for asthma. But the effect today, no Catastrophic. Catastrophic cataclysm. I guess we'd be closing this chapter on weird medical procedures and crazy inventions from it. We'd probably go right back into it because there's just so much, like, this is just the cusp of it because it's this is just the general thing you can dive way deeper and it's just if you're looking for information we live in the age of information it's out there just go seek it you can find everything you need to know or some things you don't want to know but even if you can't find it and you need an aid of assist you know hit us up you know uh third coast podcast on all major platforms so cleve i had heard something for us to indulge on and this is a beer from new orleans actually and it is a is called carnival time and it's a sour ale with king cake and it's made by urban south brewery so it's a king cake beer basically we got a king cake beer with a sour ale i believe i like the sour ales it says, all the indulgence of a Dong Fong cinnamon and cream cheese cake. Cream cheese king cake served in a sour ale. So we got cinnamon, cream cheese, sour ale. See what it tastes. All the homies out there who's there and who's not here no more, we love you. Pros, Cleve. Bros. King cake liquefied. It's a very good. It's a very, that it's cream like a, cheese, though. That's different. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's like a, I like to call these brews like dessert beer. You know what I'm saying? You ain't going to have many of them. You can't just sit there and drink these all night, but you can enjoy like one of them. You yeah, know? you can enjoy one for the occasion. I never knew a lot about like the actual tradition of king cakes. You know, I like to indulge yourself and the listeners to the tradition of king cakes since we're indulging in a king cake beer and it is, you know, 
the pest of all time. And if you're out there Mardi Gras or if you're new to it, just be safe. Yeah, be safe out there. You know, it does go down. Always, you know, stay protected. Check your pockets, you know. You know, it's a lot of bag snatchers. And aside from all of the negative of the of the Mardi Gras experience, it goes into, like, being festive, being, you know, showing the hospitality part. If you're about that life, be about that life. If you ain't about it, don't be trying to be about that life. <laughs> the king cake is believed to have originated in France around the 12th century, and the early Europeans celebrated the coming of the three wise men bearing gifts 12 days after Christmas, calling it the Feast of Empathy, the 12th night or King's Day. The main part of the celebration was the baking of the king cake to honor the three kings. The cakes were made circular to portray the circular route used by the kings to get the Christ child, which was taken to confuse King Harold, who was trying to follow the wise man who was trying to kill the Christ child. In the early king cakes, there was beans, peas, or coins was hidden inside the cake. The person who got the hidden pieces was declared the king for the day and was said to have good luck in the coming year. In Louisiana, the 12th night also signifies the beginning of carnival season, which ends with Mardi Gras Day. The bean, the pea, the coin has been replaced by, you know, the iconic little, you know, baby thing. Got the little baby Jesus. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, you know, uh, I had got a king cake for the kids. You know, they asked for it. I got the basic one because, you know, got to get just a big-ass cinnamon roll with fucking sprinkles on it. You know right, what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, come on, Louisiana. Can we just be honest for a second? It's just a big cinnamon roll with sprinkles on it. And sometimes you put the cream cheese on it. Yeah, or just like the apple filling or Apple filling, lemon filling, yeah, cinnamon roll. It's like just a dessert bread, but they, you know, made it a biblical thing as well, you know, like try to make it special. <laughs> you know, the first time that Mardi Gras was celebrated, it wasn't in Louisiana, it was actually in Alabama. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. It says here, French-Canadian explorer Pierre Lemoyne de Iberville arrived in what is now modern-day Mobile, Alabama on Fat Tuesday, 1699. The name, location, point du Mardi Gras and threw a little party. In the years followed, French travelers would come to the spot explicitly for Fat Tuesday celebrations. To this day, Mobile, Alabama claims to hold the oldest Mardi Gras celebrations in the country. I didn't know that. I never knew that either. <laughs> you think that's why we have such a rivalry between LSU and Alabama? They took Mardi Gras from us? They took more than Mardi Gras from us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> just to, you know, just, but we're, we'll just focus on Mardi Gras for now. <laughs> you know, Cleve, I know I said it a couple minutes ago, but, you know, it's such a pleasure to just have a day to just sit down and have a beer with my friend. You know what I'm saying? And I'm glad that we can do this. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. To a good time. It's a podcast. Pros. Shout out to Chris Gray out there in Germany. You know, he uh born and raised in the United States, but decided that, you know, I hope he goes to beer fest all the time or hope he's around that shit. I bet you German pubs are balls. He lives there now? Yeah. 
Okay, so like he was born in the U.S., but now he resides in Germany. Yeah. That's awesome. So when he was in the military, he went to Germany. He was stationed there, and he met his wife and came back for a little while. But when he got out the military, he went back to Germany, and now he lives there and shit. And I bet that's a pretty dope experience, but adjusted to like the laws and like the different things. I would kind of, I would feel like if I moved to another country, I would be like at the mercy of the people for at least a year until I kind of get a feel for, you know, granted the research is, is done, like, but having to actually like apply what you've researched, that's a big step, definitely a, you know, a leap there, but I mean, it depends. I support it. You know, hey, at this rate, the way things are going over <laughs> here, uh, you know, I'm starting to get some ideas myself. <laughs> What, you don't want a weather balloon or nothing? Weather balloon? Weather balloon. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Different topic for another day, right? Maybe so. You never know, man. It may come back around. You know, it's like, man, remember that time on, what is it, 182 or 183? Which one? This one. This is going to be 180. Hold up. I actually don't know. I think it's. I think it's three. I'm getting confused now when it comes because <laughs> we uh, all the episodes are like later post now. It's like a week later post. So right, if y'all haven't checked it out, if y'all far enough in this episode, but we're available everywhere: Pocket Cast, Spotify. I can do research and shout us out at the same time. Five thousand W's dot Podcast dot com. I hope someone really don't type in 5,000 W's. It's just three W's. That would be something Mr. Beast would do. It's like, I wonder if we actually type in 5,000 W's. Can we reach the Third Coast Podcast? Hey. Our latest episode on all major streaming platforms is Prohibited Sustenances, which is 181. 182 is about to come out. So this is 183. Okay, yeah, she got a sweet, yeah, no, not a sweet 16, got a 17 to go. Yeah. But a 200. We're knocking on the door and we're going to do the thing, hopefully. And if it is just us doing the thing like this, that's fine with me too. Nah, if anything, show must go on. You know, it started somewhere. We had an idea. We were all together in a room with a decision to make. You know, a lot of, being on the podcast, being a guest, leveling up to being a co-host, just like showing, you know, that support. I learned a lot about a person's word, dignity, and like where that lies, how long the substance of a person's word can last, if it's for like a season, if it's for like an ongoing thing where it lasts years or decades even, you know, shit. Feel like we're damn near five years, you know, we're like in a census point where we got to do a recount of those that, you know, shout out to Zane for doing his thing. I do love the sounds. Like I've been listening to each episode that you put out. You don't think I have been, you know, I may not express it enough, but can't thank you enough for the work that you've done and, you know, kind of like show a little bit of respect for everybody that's been a part of the show. Shout out T. You know, shout out Kobayi out there on the water. Shout out Gator, you know, right here holding it down. And, you know, got your boy Cleve. I'm doing know. hand gestures. Y'all can't see it. Bro. Yeah, y'all can't see it, but y'all see it soon. You know, may hopefully in the future this year, you know, y'all keep tuned. Make sure to subscribe to us on TikTok. 
you know, trying to get a thousand. If y'all want to see our handsome faces, you know, either bearded or smooth, you can access that, you know, on my hotline. <laughs> we got something very, very special coming soon, and our video will be the most top of the line stuff that you can find. It is, what do you say, Cleve? Money well spent. Money well spent. Yeah, I, you come to me. <laughs> You come to me, the dawn. <laughs> on my daughter's wedding day. <laughs> I would like for you to be there on my daughter's wedding day. <laughs> That's Godfather, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, yeah, I thought so. You come to me on my daughter's wedding day. That's a great you movie, though. Like it, it really is. Like I'm not gonna and you ask me a favorite Cleve. <laughs> hey, man, that's, hey, I feel like that. That's the topic in itself, you know. <laughs> Fucking mob shit. <laughs> Cleve gets to introduce Zane as well. Big shout out to Zane for being the editor of our show. But I never knew Zane was in a band. I've known Zane to play music. Like, I've known of him through Kobe. Like, I've known of Zane. I've met him a few times. I don't know if he even remembers who I am, but I've met him a couple of times, just a few talks here and there. But anyway, like, yeah, he's been, I've known him to play music for years. Like, since we used to play music with Devin and Ben out at the Psycho Kitchen. Oh, you know, and yeah. Pine. That's about how long I've known of Zane. Love you, I just. Yeah, love you, Ice Chess. Love you, Ben. This week, Running Out of Time is a four-piece alternative metal band from Lafayette, Louisiana. Their music is a combination of heavy and melodic styles of modern metal with clean and aggressive style vocals. The lineup consists of Brody Elkins on vocals, Zane Fontenot on guitar, Bear Broussard on bass, and Jason Cavalero on drums. Established in late 2020, the band is fairly new to the Louisiana scene, but all of the musicians in Running Out of Time have been writing music and playing in active bands for over 20 years. So yeah, every course around the time that I met him, he was still, you know, doing his thing. Some, but not all of their notable previous projects include Nameless Vision, War Rig, Broken by the Burden, Vertigo Sun, Dry Socket, and Hex Campaign. Running Out of Time is currently working on pre-production before recording their first EP. Free download of the EP will be available in late spring 2023. I had actually seen Broken by the Burden at the Beagles Club in Alexandria Way. I think that is... I believe we played for a um, a cancer benefit like whenever Jacoby, well, yeah, Jacoby, Pat, James, and Colin were a part of the Taos Hum. They played with Southern Death Toll and a few other bands. Like I watched Broken by the Burden. I can remember Devin or Ice just talking to me about the Hex campaign. And I was like a side project that he was a part of. I hadn't heard of the other one. I may have heard of War Rig, but a Nameless Vision, Vertigo Sun, Dry Socket, I'm not familiar with. But I do know for sure Broken by the Bird. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, like, he used to throw the fuck down. <laughs> yeah. Did they throw down? Yeah, they used to throw the fuck down. You know, that's one of those things, too, is the metal scene in Louisiana is a big thing. Like, there is a metal scene. There is a metal scene here. And I was surprised about that, like, around the time I was playing, 
you know, I never realized like how popular, you know, those type like the metal gatherings were. And then just like being a part of the music, being on the opposite side of it to really, you know, be, you know, to really add to that element. Met a lot of cool people along the way. And to say, you know, proud to say that like every live show that we've played when I was a part of the band was with a touring artist. And that was on my bucket list of things like in my lifetime. It's like if I ever did a performing act, you know, let it be with, you know, somebody of an esteem or credit signed to a record label to show what our performance could be valued as because we made some damn good music and I've heard some great local bands that should have a record deal by now, but due to like resources, situations, circumstances, things of that nature, you know, it's just always good to, you know, support the community when it comes to that. You know, what's crazy part too is like through the podcast and how we stream, you can stream anywhere, but like you can't touch local radio. You know what I'm saying? You can't touch the airways. And it's a very unfair fact because I feel like you listen to the stuff that they produce on the radio and it ain't shit compared to what we can do. You know what I'm saying? Or what anybody can do. But I guess that's a topic for another day. Right. I guess we get into the song of the week. Yeah. We're out. Love y'all.